This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. I don't want to have to do it to him at the beginning of the, the podcast here, but... Do it to him. I'm going to have to. We're going to talk about Devin Bush to start this episode off here. Jacob Recht and Tom Opperman with you on the Steelers Standard. And Devin Bush, top 10 draft pick just three years ago. So much potential, so much riding on him, really, for the Steelers. This guy was supposed to come in and be the fix at the inside linebacker spot. And his rookie year was an okay season. It was a season that had some hope. Some plays were made by him, and you walked away from it saying, hey, there's a guy that can develop into a really good inside linebacker in the NFL for a long time to come. Fast forward to his second season. He gets hurt in the Cleveland Browns game. Cannot finish this season after playing just about six or seven weeks. That's fine. It's going to happen. But you start to hold your breath a little bit now because now he's got a little extra hurdle he's got to clear to get to that upper echelon of play, and that's the hurdle of rehabbing a serious ACL injury. Now we're here in the present day. It's been over a year since that injury had happened to Devin Bush, and the play has been, to put it kindly, really below the line in 2021 from number 55. There's a line, Tom, that was set after his rookie season. As you said, it wasn't the flashiest rookie season by a top 10 pick. You know, looking to Micah Parsons. I was just going to say it's not like that. It's not like that. Micah Parsons was, I think, 15, maybe 14 this year. But still, that kind of makes it even worse for Devin Bush because he was even higher on the draft. And this team traded up together, whereas the Dallas Cowboys were just sitting patiently waiting for Micah Parsons to drop to him, to them, rather. And that line that was set for his rookie year, obviously not as high as the line that's been being set right now for Micah Parsons the rest of his career, but that line has not been broached since his rookie year in 2019. You draft Evan Bush because of his speed. You drafted him because of his ability to guard a tight end or, hell, maybe even a wide receiver in the slot from time to time. Not saying you wanted to make a habit out of that, but... If you accidentally had him lined up against the slot receiver, you were supposed to be able to at least have some hope that he'd be able to get the job done. Well, he can't guard that. He can't even guard tight ends or running backs out of the backfield. Um, So many times in that Chargers game, especially when the Steelers absolutely needed to get off the field once they had the lead, Mm -hmm. there was a big play to Austin Eckler where Eckler caught the ball over the middle and turned it up the field, and Devin Bush was just glued to his hip about two steps behind him the entire time, and then someone else had to come in and make the tackle for him because he just got absolutely toasted, and that's a big problem. Maybe the biggest problem that you're seeing from him is his lack of coverage skills when you needed his athleticism to really shine in that department. I mean, that's why you you go up and you draft a guy like that. The league is full of these monster Frankenstein-type tight ends and is using running backs out of the backfield more than the league ever has before. And that's why you go and you get a guy like a Terrell Edmonds because he's a little bit bigger than your typical safety and he can bang with those Frankenstein monsters that play tight end. Or you get a guy like Devin Bush because he's faster than your typical inside linebacker and he's got the size that can really disrupt the running back, but he's also got the speed to stay with him. You know, Edmonds has his own problems, but I mean, sure. we're, we're talking about Bush here, and he's he's just not fulfilling those very basic things that you brought him in here to do. Like, 
even if he was just an adequate coverage inside linebacker, you'd sit here and go, yeah, it stinks that you traded up and wasted some capital to get a guy that you probably could have found in the first round late or even the second round, honestly. Now, maybe not him, but But, I mean, a player that's going to have his caliber. Sure. Yeah. But he's not even adequate in that department yet, and it really makes you worry about his future and how likely it is that he's going to be able to hold down that inside linebacker spot for like like as it stands right now I don't he's think it's a guarantee it down at all and I don't think it's a guarantee that next year he's the guy and and that's a really really strange place to be just in his third season in the league after being a top 10 pick but I think we're there I don't I think it's a I think it's a fairy tale to sit here and pretend that everything's all hunky dory it's not we've given the name we've given the comparison to the name Micah Parsons earlier I got another name for you Jarvis Jones Hey, that's, a, that's smell, a much worse name. Starting to smell like the Jarvis Jones pick from, what was that, 2013, 2014? And let's start using that comparison, people, and let's stop trying to grasp at the Bud Dupree straws and say, well, it took Bud a long time to get acclimated to the league. Maybe it's just Devin Bush is just a slow learner. Agreed on the first part. On the second part regarding Devin Bush, Bud Dupree never looked this bad in his NFL career. Were there moments where you'd scratch your head and say, I, w- I wish you wouldn't speed rush up the field so much? Yeah. Bud Dupree came from Kentucky. Devin Bush came from Michigan. Jarvis Jones came from Georgia. There's a little bit of difference between the Georgia and Michigan pedigree than there is Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, the Wildcats are certainly a much better program in recent years than they have been historically, but they ain't a blue blood, not by mm-hmm. any stretch of the imagination, just like the other two are. But, I mean, Bud Dupree, like I said, yeah, he had his flaws, but he was a really solid NFL player throughout his early parts of the of his career before he and TJ teamed up and he really broke out to kind of reach that next echelon of player. But Devin Bush isn't even in that adequate range right now. No. And I re- I'm not trying to be like, point the finger at Devin Bush, it's all Devin Bush's fault. Everybody has their hand in the pile for what's going on with this team right now. But I have to sit back and kind of take a look at what are the really glaring problems. And he's one that's really shining brighter than most. Absolutely, Tom. This is a guy that we had said during training camp should return to a Pro Bowl caliber level. I think should I picked be, him to make the Pro Bowl I think this you year. did. I think both of us did actually, saying this is going to be his first Pro Bowl season. Pro Bowl versus All Pro is a different conversation. But at least if you're in the Pro Bowl conversation, Pro Bowl recognition – that means you're doing enough to get the attention of the country. It's not just your peers or the or the uh, media the media members who who vote on the all pro teams. You're doing enough to to be in the headlines. You're you're doing enough to to pop up on on people's Twitter time uh, timelines throughout the country. He has not done that at all. He has not made a single play where I'm where I looked at myself and said, "Oh, that's the Devin Bush that the Steelers drafted." Not one play. He has, I think, one sack or two sacks on the year, and that's it. That's the one thing he's done well this year is that when they blitz him, and it's very, very few and far between because the Steelers have decided to abandon the blitz for the most part this year, and they just go with rushing four guys up front, it worked wonders against the Buffalo Bills. But you know why it worked against the Buffalo Bills? Because everybody was healthy. They were all operating at 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody that was going to be there was healthy to it, obviously. Right. Stephon Tewitt was not on the field. But you got Alu Alu, Hayward, Highsmith, Watt, and Ingram. Those three that I mentioned last would rotate right. in Ingram and out. Ingram was also on the team at the time. Then you can rush four. But 
the big plays that have come through the blitz have come through Devin Bush blitzing. So, I mean, if you want to grab a positive that he's doing, it's it's that when they do send him on a blitz, like you said, he's, he's gotten home a couple of times this year and made a big sack, but those sacks are his splash plays. There's no forced fumbles. There's no INTs. There's no uh, swing pass to the running back, and he comes screaming in like his ass is on fire and takes him down for a 10-yard loss tackle. For, like, there's none of that happening. And that's why you draft a linebacker with that kind of speed in the top 10. You want his playmaking ability. You want him to be more than just, oh, I can eat up a bunch of tackles and lead the team in tackles and go sideline to sideline. And, you know, if a guy, if a running back gets to the second level, I can take him down before he does too much damage. Like, that's just the 101 part of it. That's the basics. That's the foundation of it. You have to build up layers to your game if you're going to be pedigree and the high pick that Devin Bush is and not only has he not built up those layers of playmaking ability I mean his foundation is cracking there's he's poor in making tackles he's losing his identity exactly he can't get off blocks if a guard gets to the second level he can't get off him the draft report or whatever you want to call that that he had coming out of Michigan was speed and and ability to get guys to the ground yes sideline to sideline he looked like the fastest player in college football there's 30, what, it's 33 and a third yards to cover from that, from one opposing sideline to another. No one did it better than him. And as you mentioned earlier, Tom, the one play that stuck out to you from the Chargers game was Austin Eckler just slipping right by him. Another A couple times that happened, but that last one's sure. the one that sticks in my head because they, it came they were in moment. the lead. They needed to get off the field, and then, sure enough, a play later, boom, Mike Williams came down the sidelines. It came at a crucial moment. Another play that sticks out to me is the equal bouquet touchdown run against the Lions his tackling effort on that play was just abysmal well that's what I mean about the the 101 part the foundation part is cracking too is his tackling has so been so poor all year long and it's it's really mind-boggling to me and he's not the only one that has a, a claim to poor tackling this year I mean we've seen Minka take some bad tackling right, so angles the, the big, like the big highlight highlight portion of that run was Igor Bugay kind of putting Minka in his in, in quicksand and, yeah, and running right by him, right. but that was only set up because Devin, Devin Bush, Bush didn't was make his tackle. To bring him to the ground. Yeah, if, if Minka's having to make a lot of tackles in the running game, that's a bad. Thing. That's not a good thing. That means exactly. you're not only getting past the defensive line; you're getting past the linebackers. You're getting past the linebackers. And uh, a reason why they're getting past the linebackers, it's kind of you know, there's two reasons why. I mean, the linebackers aren't getting off of the blocks of guards or centers that are reaching the next level. You can't really put that on the linebackers completely because those guys should be getting eaten up by the defensive line up front. But the poor defensive line playing save from Cam Hayward, who's playing like a first-team All-Pro, is allowing those guys to get to the level and block a Schobert and block a Devin Bush. But that being said... A top 10 pick should be able to shed a guard, should be able to shed a center and may still make a tackle. If a block gets put on Devin Bush, it's almost 100% of the time that he gets taken out of the play by the blocker. He he cannot get off of NFL linemen, NFL tight end throwing blocks to him. And the big negative coming out of the class when he was drafted three years ago was this guy's a bit undersized for the inside linebacker spot in the NFL, you know. Will his small stature kind of come back to bite him? And you said no, it wouldn't because that speed is just electric. And 
who really needs to worry about you know missing a couple inches here or there on his height and and maybe not being the exact weight he needs to be when you're the fastest guy on the football field that's sure supposed matters. that's supposed to make up for it but you got to wonder does the ACL injury take a step step and a half off of his typical speed out of Michigan and is that starting to really magnify his undersized problems that you know yeah he, it's harder for him to get off of a big 6 foot 4 300 plus pound guy who's athletic because he's just not big enough to be able to take on that kind of a, a hit and 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 give it back and get it off of him so I don't know if it's kind of a, a bunch of things in the pot mixed together ACL injury makes him lose some speed really shows how he's undersized now because he doesn't have that speed or if his undersized nature was always going to be a big problem for him I don't know all I know is whatever the factors are, they're leading towards some really, really below-the-line play, like I said. No, it's, it's all below the line. Every, every aspect of a, of a linebacker's game that you can point to to say this is important, this is important, this is important, every aspect of that part of Devin Bush's game is below the line, which is really frustrating because, yes, there were some negatives when he was coming out of Michigan, but his natural athlete ability – Something Mike Tomlin always says he loves about guys. I don't want a receiver. I don't want a linebacker. I don't want a D lineman. I don't want a nose tackle. I want a football player. Devin Bush seemed to fit that bill perfectly, and that's why Mike Tomlin was so eager to trade up for him. Now it seems like that reason where he just can't seem to grasp the fundamentals is is really hindering his play this year. Now, it reached a breaking point in the Bengals game. After a couple series, Devin Bush was put on the bench, and Robert Spillane was put out there. Unfortunately, Robert Spillane got hurt in that game just a few plays after. So, well, it was fun while it lasted, but bench Devin Bush. You're back, you're back in the you game for the majority game. of it. And no Robert Spillane, I think, for the year is what the worry is, that he might be done. And that's a problem because it's very problem. clearly he, you just announced that he was going to become your starting inside linebacker next to Joe Schobert. And just two, three series into that new new era, it's right back to Devin Bush, and you, you have no choice now. You have to play Devin. You're not going to give Buddy Johnson a helmet and have him play inside linebacker snaps. So Some it, people are calling for it. No, no, I'm not. I'm not one of those people. I mean, it was pulling teeth to get me to be like, yeah, Spillane should probably start over Bush. But we, we de when, when I saw that trigger pulled by the coaching staff in the Bengals series or in the Bengals game, it was – I mean, that's enough to tell me it's time to do it. If the, if the Tomlin and the Butlers are telling me that, yeah, this guy needs to sit on the bench now, then who am I to sit here and say, no, they're wrong? So although I was hesitant to do it, I, I understood why you do it. But now that Spillane's out, I mean, the drop-off from Bush to Spillane really isn't as far as it should be because of Bush's poor play. But the drop-off from those two to a Buddy Johnson, I mean, I guess we don't know because he's a rookie and haven't really seen him play. But I'd have to imagine it's like jumping off of a cliff. A very short cliff because the play of Bush and Splane weren't that high anyway, but it's still going to be a significant drop off to Buddy Johnson. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to go to Buddy Johnson. He's just not going to know how to play the defense like Splane. Like at least Splane, what he didn't know, it didn't do athletically. He knew the defense because he's been here for a couple years and he's been in the NFL for a couple years, so he knows how to be a pro. Like, I'll put it this: Buddy Johnson still got to learn all that. The situation isn't as dire as it is for. Dan Moore getting a helmet and Dan Moore getting starting time on the offensive line as it is for 
Buddy Johnson needed to come in or Isaiah Loudermilk needed to come in, right? Buddy Johnson has room in front of him before he gets significant playing time. There really isn't that depth ahead of Loudermilk, ahead of Dan Moore, to keep them on the bench, to keep them as just rookies who were just learning the game from the sidelines. Yeah, they trialed by fired. I mean, they needed to jump, jump in, but you know, you say depth in front of them and agree that you know some former top 10 pick that's in front of Buddy Johnson right now, and Robert Splane was as well before he got hurt, and of course Schobert, but when you look at the way that Devin Bush is playing, I mean, he's kind of playing like you'd think Buddy Johnson would play if he had to start as a rookie, right? I mean, that's not, that's not a terrible thing for me to say. No, it's not. Make a, make a play here and there with a sack, but never get an interception, never force a fumble, and just get cooked 24-7 by NFL running backs and NFL tight ends. I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing, but I get what you're coming from, where, and I'm, I'm agreeing with you, and coming from the same places that you don't know what you got out of Buddy Johnson. You potentially do know what you have out of Devin Bush if he can just snap out of this funk that he's in right now. That's a little bit of the one that's a big question mark, though, is how likely is it that he can snap out of a funk like this? Yeah, I don't know. A funk is a funk because it's the 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 terms of it, the 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 timeline of it are are undeter uh, undetermined, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know how long this is going to last. Is this the beginning of the end for Devin Bush, or is this a weird season like we had seen out of Chris Boswell in 2018, where the team was ready to quit on the guy, he was kicking 60% on the year, and then ever since, 2019, 2020, 2021, he's been as automatic, if not more so, than Justin Tucker. The only thing I'd say that's different there is that we saw it the years prior with Boswell, that he could be an all-pro kicker and be as good as Tucker, and then he hit the hiccup in 2018, so you kind of had the ability to extend him the faith that he would snap out of it because he'd done it before, and it was well well done move by Mike Tomlin. He snapped out of it almost immediately, and then this year I think he's having maybe his best season I can remember in a long time. And if Justin Tucker hadn't made there. it, if he hadn't made a sixty-six yard field goal to beat the Lions, people will be talking about Chris Boswell. I think he'd be the first team All Pro kicker this year, but alas, it's. It's pretty much Justin Tucker's award unless he gets hurt or misses something crazy like eight extra points, which would never happen in his career. So you're all kind of playing for second fiddle right now, and Boswell, I think, is second fiddle. I think he's the number two guy. But that's where I see the difference in that situation is that, A, you know, you saw it happen with Boswell before. There was something you could draw on to pull confidence out of him and, and think, you know what, maybe let's give him another shot. And B, I got to be honest with you, Jacob. I think it's a lot easier to kind of talk yourself into a guy you've seen kick field goals successfully in this league before, getting back to form. I think it's it a, I think it's a lot harder to be like, is Devin Bush ever gonna realize his full potential that we have not yet seen? That's that's a much bigger ask than I think trusting a guy who's been there, done that, to kind of snap out of it. You're you're not asking for a return to form here from Devin Bush. You're asking, you're asking for, for any a, form a whatsoever. New form yeah, of Devin Bush. Because the Devin Bush you signed in his rookie year was good. It wasn't Pro Bowl level. Like I think I take that Devin Bush right now though. Oh sure. absolutely yeah. in, a, in a heartbeat, in a millisecond. I think he would kind of be skating by right now if he had just a couple picks like he did and stuff like that. I think like the that. Devin Bush from twenty twenty that that first five games, he wasn't brilliant, but he was better than he, he was significantly better than he is right now in twenty twenty one. No question. And 
again, that's where you kind of wonder, is it the injury that's bothering him? I know, I know Vince Williams went to Twitter uh, yesterday, former Steeler, and took to the defense of Devin Bush and said, you know, 8 to 12 months to recover from an ACL and then double that to really get your mental right and be able to cut on it and, and have success on it. And, yeah, I, I get what he's saying because I agree with him about that mental side of things. A lot of people don't realize that when you tear an ACL or have such a bad injury like that, it does take a little bit of a mental trust to be able to completely, you know, put as much weight as you used to on it or make as hard of a cut as you used to on that knee. But I would look at Devin Bush and what Vince Williams said, and although parts of what he said are valid, I would take umbrage with him because I'm looking at Cincinnati over here. And that quarterback they have, Jacob, he had a pretty bad knee injury last year, right? And that knee injury came a little bit later in the season. I think it came a week or two after Devin Bush's. Yeah. And that was he a pretty tough recovery for him. And I think in the beginning of the season, you saw those kind of mental hurdles he had to clear where maybe he didn't tuck it and run, or maybe he didn't move around the pocket as smoothly as he, he once did as a rookie because he's a little you know shaky on his knee. But I think in the way that you know the modern rehab and the modern advancements we have in, in science and medicine and, and helping these injuries out is that You've cut down both recovery time physically on ACL injuries and subsequently mentally on ACL injuries. And Burrow's all the way back right now. I mean, physically and mentally looks completely there. So physically, you know, Devin Bush is there. If his mental isn't there yet, that's a huge problem because he's every week in practice and in games testing out that knee and, and feeling and and getting to know, oh, yeah, you know what? This is starting to feel more like its old self. So even if he's not completely there mentally yet, you should be seeing strides taken towards getting there and, and progress being made. And I don't want to speak out of turn here, but just based on what I'm seeing, I, I don't see that kind of progress being made, that kind not of trust back into his knee being fully healthy shown on the field. No, I mean, one big thing for – uh, Joe Burrow was that he wasn't as mobile as he once was in LSU and, and the beginning part of his rookie season before he went down. But remind me, Tom, what was Cincinnati's first touchdown uh, on Sunday afternoon? Um, mm, mm. Someone ran it in. From about 10 to 12, 15 yards out. It was out a pretty nice cut, too, that he made. Oh, it was, it was Joe oh, Burrow. Oh, it was yeah, Joe Yeah, it was Burrow. Joe Burrow. His first rushing touchdown on the year. That's what I mean. You're starting to see, like, it's... I don't want to say – it was wrong of me to say Joe Burrow's completely back mentally. He's 100% back physically. But you're at least seeing the steps being taken. Okay, now he's scrambling a little bit more. Okay, now he's running into the goal line and scoring a rushing touchdown. And that is a dangerous place to try to score a rushing touchdown is on that goal line. But even if mentally, you know, he wakes up on Monday mornings and he, he grabs the knee a little bit and he says, oh, you know what? Uh, a little sore, he's at least showing the progress that he's almost 100%. Physically, he is. Mentally, as well, he's getting there and getting there. And you just don't see those signs with Devin Bush. And again, I, I think the biggest thing that you see from this is, man, his step might just be a little bit slower than it was out of Michigan. His his speed might be, you know, if it was a 95 in Madden before the injury, maybe it's like an 89 now. Still really fast, but... 
that's a pretty big drop off for a guy that needed to use his speed to make up for his lack of size, like we had said earlier on this episode. And if he can't get that speed all the way back, which might not be his fault at all, bad injuries happen all the time in football and derail careers. But I don't know. It's it's start it's starting to get dark pretty early on Devin. Oh, Bush. absolutely. This is something that we were having a similar conversation about week five, week four in 2020, saying, Devin Bush, you haven't really been as flashy. You haven't really been as present right. on the football field as you were in your rookie year. And then, unfortunately, the, the game where we thought it was going to be his breakout game in Cleveland, or at home versus Cleveland, he goes down for the year. And now you're just saying, what if? If he had stayed healthy, were we going to see that kind of production out of him for the entire campaign of the 2020 season? For a full 16, maybe 15 games of that year. We don't know. And then it was more hypothetical. Which Devin Bush are we going to see? Are we going to see the Devin Bush that we saw in weeks one through four or the first half of week five? The the, the, the good portion of 2020 or the lesser, more subtle version of 2020? And the answer is apparent. One last thing I want to touch on, and it's directed towards you, Steelers Nation, oh. before we wrap this up. I've seen a lot of people, and hey, you, if, I'm, if I'm talking to you, turn up the radio. If I'm talking to you and you haven't done this, I know. I know you haven't. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not talking about you specifically. But a lot of Steelers Nation out there have been saying, oh, the media, they're making Devin Bush into their scapegoat. Oh, Devin Bush, just the obvious guy you can point to and say he stinks, so you're making that happen. Listen. The reason why you put a little bit more weight on Devin Bush's performance is because of his stature in this league. He is a top 10 pick. That's the kind of expectations that you have on your shoulders. There's a reason why That's what you get. There's a reason why we're not sitting here doing an entire episode dedicated to Trey Norwood and his lack of performance lately. There's a reason why we're we're not talking about undrafted free agent James Pierre and saying, "Man, he really got cooked a lot in that Bengals game. He's the biggest problem here." There's a reason why we're not talking about Arthur Mollette. I mean, yes, uh, Isaiah Loudermilk, a, a fifth or sixth round pick. Reason why we're not talking about him, Isaiah Bugs. It's because these guys don't have the kind of expectations that Devin Bush do. Not even close. Are they all part of the stink sandwich like him? Yes. And did some of them take a bigger bite out of that stink sandwich against the Bengals? Uh, James Pierre, yes, you did. But they're undrafted, mid-round picks. This is a top 10 guy we're talking about, so... Yeah, he's going to get a little extra ire, a little extra attention when it comes to the criticism because he's supposed to be at the level of a TJ, of a Cam. He's not supposed to be floundering at the level of a Millette, of a Pierre, of an undrafted kind of guy. It's not. There shouldn't be debates about putting Spillane in for him. Not with when he was taken in the draft and not what the Steelers gave up to move up to get him. So that's why you get a little extra criticism levied towards him is because of his status and really – what you expect out of him other than what you expect out of some of the other guys that have been floundering on defense of late. When Robert Spillane came in last year, there are two plays that everyone knows. There was the pick six against Lamar Jackson to start that Baltimore game, and there was a hit on Derrick Henry at the goal line. Where he almost broke his shoulder. Other than that, there's nothing to write home about for his 2020 year. When you brought in Joe Schobert, you were praising to the heavens. Oh, my gosh, I never had to speak – Robert Spillane. Yeah, Spillane's not going to be a starter now. Thank God. 
is Robert Spillane having the best year out of all three guys between Joe Schobert, Spillane, and Devin Bush? It's tough to say about Schobert because, I mean, this isn't an excuse because he's playing below the line than I think he should play, but I feel like Schobert's more of a second fiddle kind of guy. And if Bush had been excelling the way he had, it would have had Schobert playing maybe a little bit better or at least maybe masking up sure. some of the things Schobert was doing poorly. But at least recently, Schobert's made plays tangibly that you can point to and say, wow, that was a big play. Chargers game on the fourth down stop, it's a huge stuff from Joe Schobert. And he had an interception. Like, he's at least had some kind of splash. And if it's a second fiddle type of splash, I think we're sitting here saying, you know, that's a pretty good move. And he's been a decent contributor on the defense. But that's the most splash you're getting from that spot. So that's why I think it, it – shows a that Schobert's not playing as well as maybe some had hoped he would and, and b I mean again it's all back into put a bow on this whole thing it's it all starts with Devin Bush not being the guy that you needed him to be he's like, not the guy like Schobert wasn't brought in to be the guy he was no, supposed but to he help was brought in to fill in that hole that you didn't want to have to deal with by the name of Robert Spillane and not only was he brought in to fill in that hole, I think he was brought in as well to take a little bit off of Bush's plate because early I think the coaches were able to recognize, hey, this guy might be a little overwhelmed. Maybe he can't handle the green dot. Let's go get a veteran out there that actually has done that, called defensive plays on the field before, and, and let's have him do that this year and not have Bush worry about it, which, again, another red flag because if you're like Devin Bush in a top-ten pick, that should be your, that should, should be a green dot for a decade. I mean, yeah. you should be calling the defense for a decade for the Steelers. It did. I know he's a different animal because he's a lot better than Bush and was going to be the best inside linebacker in football in my mind. But it didn't take Shazier this long to get up to speed no. as far as all those things are concerned. No, so, no, no, no. even with an injury, you can mentally have yourself ready to call a defense. I mean, that's just rehabbing that's and watching film all off season right. long and working with your coaches. And it clearly wasn't ready at the beginning of this year, so they go and get Schobert, and it hasn't shown any evidence of becoming ready now as we move forward into next season. Yep. But that'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Pretty I'm so pretty sorry, Devin one. Bush. I'm pretty sorry. I'm I'm really sorry, Devin Bush. But I don't. It's nothing personal. I don't know why you're apologizing. Because I don't know. I feel bad. I feel bad hurting the guy's feelings. But it's nothing personal. Just go out there and make a couple plays against the Ravens. And you know what? I promise you, Devin Bush, we'll do a whole episode next week about how great you played and how you're finally getting off the schneid. But until then, everything we said in this episode is valid. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Offerman. As always, we appreciate you guys lending your ears to our voices, and we will talk to you next time.